that would cut in on a lot of that short documentary time yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> and um, it would and the and the, love that part and the five songs that are almost all terrible. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello. And today we're going to be doing a mini pod. Mini pod. Mini pod, AP pod. Of War for the Planet of the Apes. Mm. Um, the the third in a, what is it, I guess, is is this a planned trilogy or is there going to be, there's got to be more, right? Well, that's just, this, I was talking with somebody, I think it was Jeremy Simpson on Twitter last night, maybe it was Frank, but... Um, you know, Matt Reeves has said this was planned as a trilogy and, and, you know, this could very naturally. One of the things I like most about this movie is how much it goes into and plays into that Charlton Heston original, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in spoilers. But um, but they're going to make more. These things make too much money for Fox to say, yeah, we'll just stop there. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to go. We need to tell the story because supposedly there's 2000 years yet left to go between exactly. the end of this movie and the beginning of the next one. And they're just going to see dollar signs. Got, got things to say about that, too. But mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, so this is the third and it's, gonna, it's sort of a self-contained kind of story, it right? It really is. It's almost like Mad Max. Uh, where where we find Caesar and sort of just going to a new place. Yeah. And it the story is all there. It's not like this overarching. Let's let's go to this place or whatever. Well, hopefully history will show that w- what this trilogy does better than most is each movie can be viewed on its own without the others. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're a new viewer going to war, um, you don't need to have seen the first two, especially because they give you a, what I thought was a pretty cool little recap right there in the beginning mm-hmm. um, on how we got to here, and then. Yeah, I think, like you said, stands on its own as a film, as a story, but also works really well with the previous well, two. That's mm-hmm. interesting you say that because we did want Barrett and I watched this with with two people who had not seen the mm-hmm. other two, and they were a little. They did have some questions, mm-hmm. and I, and they, and some things that happened in the movie. I was like, well, I guess if you have the other two movies under your belt, then that makes a little bit more sense why they did it that way or whatever. Uh, but. Um, uh, I mean, I think they enjoyed it. I don't think. Yeah, but I don't think they. A movie. I think you have to watch the other two, though, really, to get to get the, the most emotional out stuff oh, yeah. out of it. Um, anyway, uh, who wants to kick us off on this one? Well, well, let's go spoiler free for a little bit. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, I fall a little short of loving it. Um, but I have much more positive to say than negative. Uh, Andy Circus is phenomenal mm-hmm. again. Um. And, you know, I don't know that I've seen a lot of people say, you know, now he should finally win the Oscar. And I'm like, I don't know that he was better than he was in Dawn. No, no, no. because he's got he's got less range in this. It's terrific. Yeah. but He's got less range than he did in so Dawn. So much Dawn more was... subtle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, but he's great. The effects are once again impeccable. Mm-hmm. This is a gorgeous looking movie. Mm-hmm. There are shots in this movie that made me go, wow, cinematography <laughs> on the scene, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked the score. 
I don't, yeah. It's it's Michael Giacchino again, mm-hmm. who's got to be the busiest motherfucker in all of Hollywood. Absolutely. And it gave me Lost vibes, mm-hmm. the way there was a very simple piano me- melody uh, that was played for various different themes, um, but really effectively, I think. Uh, I knew it was Giacchino before, like, five minutes of the movie had gone by. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know... A, almost a signature sound mm-hmm. when he does that kind of stuff. He did it on Lost and the, that Star Trek Into Darkness opening with the couple whose kid is sick. There's that piano mm-hmm. thing. Um, I've seen some people say the score was too simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I I think simple can be good. I started off hating the score. And you it, came around? I came absolutely around oh, by awesome. the end of it because it is super simplistic. It, it, it relies on... So much percussive yeah. uh, stuff, analog percussive. In, in fact, that's when the 20th Century Fox logo comes up. They actually yeah. replace that with like organic, like percussive yeah. music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then as it, it was just so pedantic and everything. But as it got like all those pieces just kind of build yeah. throughout the, the whole film and it ended up being just awesome. I also, as an aside, had a really delicious pretzel. Mm. When I was watching this movie at the theater, and the last time I ordered a pretzel at a Regal, they gave me they they, they like it was in a bag and it just come out of the microwave or something. Mm-hmm. It was still tasty enough, but this one that was actually went into an oven thing for three minutes and I had to wait. And it came out, and I, I turned to my wife in the middle of the trailers and I said, "This is fucking delicious." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I liked it so much. <laughs> anyway, um, I would probably give this movie an A minus. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a very misleading title. Yeah, because. I expected a lot more war type action mm-hmm. and we really only get two scenes of that. And it's a, it's a very subdued movie Yeah, for maybe the most subdued movie with the word war in the title ever. I think so. It is a quiet movie. Yeah. I've never seen a war movie that's actually quiet. The only comparison would be maybe apocalypse now, which we've, yeah. uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, later on. We'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even when y- these, these big battle scenes happen in, in the middle of one of them, it cuts to the score, yeah, and it just it drowns out the the uh, the fighting and the bullets and all that stuff. And I dug it, yeah, I dug it, man. It's it's a different look on it, but I I dug it. Yeah, that first that first action sequence was like Splinter Cell with apes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like with the green <laughs> yeah. lasers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really well staged. Mm-hmm. It was creepy. Um, but anyway, okay, so we've got Steve Zahn is in this. He's playing a new character called Bad Ape, mm-hmm. uh, which I, according to Twitter, appears to be a divisive character. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the little girl almost steals this movie from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she doesn't speak the entire movie. The interplay with her and Maurice, the big red guy, especially that first moment when he's meeting her and he's, he finds the doll on the floor and gives it to her. He kind of, we get a close up of his face, which is photorealistic, by the way. Oh, yeah. And he kind of goes, hmm? mm-hmm. and it's just fucking adorable. The interplay between them, the whole movie is great. But that first moment just really sucked me into that character. I can see why that character would be divisive, though. I mean, he does, he does somehow find a way to get uh, the comic relief in during tense moments. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is not the time yeah. for that and everything. But it is his character, as always. And I don't know if he's necessarily always looking to be to to get the laughs there. It's just his nervous yeah. sort of nature. You know, it always seems to appear. And you're like, oh, am I supposed to laugh at him? He's the comic relief. So, uh, but uh, I, there were people laughing in the theater when things weren't really that funny. Mm. He was just reacting or whatever. And it's just his. It's just the way he is. And everything. That's just weird to me that it's that 
you know, 50-50 about him. Yeah. I mean, I did think there were one or two moments where, and I, was, I wasn't even blaming him. I just blamed the, the movie for trying to be lighthearted maybe one too many times. Yeah. Um, because the rest of it is so heavy. Yeah, and you need that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, need, yeah. And then again, I think I think one of the film's biggest problems is is we're we're lacking a Jason Clark character here. We're lacking a human character Absolutely. that sympathizes with the apes that we can connect to and see things through. We need that intermediary. I really wish they'd have written a character. I thought we were going to get him with that guy with the bow and arrow who's like Woody's right-hand man. Mm. I thought he was going to be what I was looking for. And then for a moment, I thought we were going to get Jason Clark. Oh, yeah? And I think that would have been really cool if they'd have found a way to either mention him or like the way they did with James Franco in Dawn, where he finds the the recorder and watches the old yeah. home movies and kind of get that connection back to Rise. I was kind of hoping we would get something acknowledging Jason Clark's character because he's so important in the development of Caesar oh, right? yeah. and how he views humanity because we would have been having a war back in Dawn if it hadn't been for him. Um, anyway, I don't know if, what more I can say that's not spoilery because most everything that's coming out of my mouth is getting close. <laughs> I think the reason probably why, I mean, it, it would be nice to, ha like you said, have a human character because if, if the, if the humans are using apes, quote unquote donkeys as yeah. their, as their like, you know, uh, I guess what infiltrators and, uh, yeah, they're lackeys basically that type of thing. Uh, then surely the the apes could do the same thing, but it, it's it. They, you know what? That's something that may have been discussed, and they probably would have said Caesar would never do that or mm. whatever. I mean, you'd still think there'd be some humans that would go to say, "Hey, I really want to help out your cause and all that," because there's going to be on both sides. That's the way stuff works mm. a lot of times. So it would have been nice to have yeah. somebody just kind of like he's there and he he just wants to help them out, and he's living amongst the apes and he's. He's I fine saw, with it. I uh, saw something. I didn't follow it through and read up on it, but I saw something that said there was a Jason Clark reference that they ended up cutting. Mm. And I don't know what that would have been. Mm. Uh, but that that could have been nice. If there's, I think that if there's one thing the movie's lacking, it's that. Yeah, it's I mean, that. they brought back Koba. I mean, yeah. They could have, you know, well, a flashback it. even. A flashback mm -hmm. of Jason Clark being noble and nice to him um, would, would have been nice. Yeah. You mentioned Maurice, the orangutan. And the reason I think that, that it was such a great character is this woman, a woman, Karen Conaval, plays him. Mm -hmm. And her expressions, I would put up there with Andy Serkis's yeah. and her, her facial acting, because she doesn't have any lines, or maybe just a couple. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, the expressiveness there and the connection with Nova, the, the kid, is really, really something that, that I looked forward to. Yeah. By the way, when I was, when I was listening to our most recently released podcast where we talk about Andy Serkis mm -hmm. and why the Academy doesn't have a category. I think I fixed it. I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Just create a mocap category and the actor and the head of the animation company that does the mocap get the award. There yeah, you go. And have two, two Oscars. Yeah. You yeah. get, I mean, <laughs> when you give a, a, a movie an award for writing and there's three writers, they all go up and get an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Right. So you just create a new category that automatically has two winners. Boom. There it is. We're done. Yes. Yep. I fixed it. <laughs> send the check to no i don't want to give out my address yeah but that would that would cut in on a lot of that short documentary time yeah. and, <laughs> and um it would and the and love the, that part and the five songs that are almost all terrible <laughs> so you I know see your point. we can't we can't we can't just hand out awards to excellence <laughs> Um, I, I i'm i'm probably the same way as you i'd give this an a minus as well um the action in this, 
is way better than most action movies that we see. And I'm not giving it a higher grade because it's better than your average actioner this past few years or past decade. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the action is easy to follow. You see where everybody is. It's, and it, and you know, because it's quiet, it's not trying to tell you what's exciting. It just lets the action be and everything. Mm -hmm. I will say though, we were in a theater where it seemed like they were running it through. Now I never bothered to check or whatever. I could have I could have confirmed this easily since mm. we were in the back row. Yeah. But uh, it looked like it was running through a projector that has the polarized lenses for 3D, mm -hmm. and that that automatically cuts light down ah. when you watch it. And and I, I was very careful not to blame the movie for some of the stuff that was super dark yeah. in it because I believe the way it was being projected was wrong. Um, well, or the best they could do with that pr particular projector when you run it through a polarizer. And especially if you had, I don't, this would have been even worse if they had the actual 3d polarizer things, uh, in front of the lenses mm. that would have reduced the light even more. Oh. I don't think it got to that point, but yeah, sometimes they do. Sometimes they just leave those 3d things in, in the way. Well, for what it's worth, I didn't. I didn't have any feelings like, boy, this is too dark or this feels oh, super dark. I it may be that then. Because all during that scene where, and we won't get into the spoilers yet, but all during that big uh, beginning action scene and everything, I was sitting there going, I cannot, I have no fucking clue who, who is, you know, they're referring to in these mm. scenes or whatever. It was an awesome scene. Yeah. Uh, especially just seeing Woody Harrelson, like hanging from a rope with a waterfall going yeah, on behind yeah. him. That's so awesome. Uh, but I didn't know what was, I didn't know who was going, I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm, yeah. I was like, oh, am I supposed to be upset about yeah. what happened here? I'm not sure. I, okay. I, and I had to later through dialogue, figure out who was involved in that. Oh, scene. Okay. So I knew immediately you're, you definitely had something wrong with your lens then mm -hmm. because it was, it was plenty light enough for me to know because ah, Woody looks yeah. over. Yeah. What Did you get the same thing there? Well, yeah. And also we had a can light that was still probably pretty bright for, for a, right. a theater that was right above me. Yeah. We in the very back row. And that was really cutting through a lot that, of That's, uh, I mean, that's just something, I mean, I debated on whether to go out and say, like, debated on looking up in the projection booth and looking up and seeing if there was anything that they could fix. Mm -hmm. But man, these theaters are so bare boned and, you know, there's hardly, any, I don't, I doubt there's any projection experts anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just said, I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the unfortunate part of all of, of, that's the hell you live in when you're in a project, <laughs> you're a projectionist and you, if you were upstairs, you could fix this probably. Uh, but yeah, that whole scene. Uh, was hard to hard to follow. Oh, that's disappointing. I can't wait till you see it again later. But there is this wonderful long take in that battle mm -hmm. that starts from the perspective of the the higher up and just looks down at the entirety of the battle. Mm -hmm. One shot or one take, just mm -hmm. kind of all the way down. I was like, oh yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's good. All right, so uh, I think we all liked it. Yep, I think we're all giving it about the same rating. I'm here. right there with you guys. And then we're gonna get into some spoilers now. Mm -hmm. Miss Luke's what? father is actually Darth Vader. She's, She's the sister and the She's daughter. They just no, 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 no. I'm reading the books. So Let's do it. You don't want to. You don't want to hear the rest of this shit. <laughs>
if you haven't heard if seen the movie yet yeah. so anyway there's a lot of things about this movie uh, yeah the war of the planet of the apes is kind of a, a misleading title for sure it's more like the great escape of the planet of the apes so frank yeah. on twitter said uh, after i finally saw it he tweeted me privately and said my alternate title is um caesar's list <laughs> and i responded back the great ape escape yeah yeah um, nice with a little ten commandments in there there's mm-hmm. a there is a heavy-handed moses allegory going yep. on here <laughs> yeah. and- I, after the after the movie was over i was I, we'll talk about a couple of these we'll get uh get get back to moses here in a minute after the after the movie was over, I was like, "Man, I know that Woody Harrelson's playing uh, Colonel Kurtz in this. Mm-hmm. Basically, I wish they didn't go down to those tunnels and see the ape apocalypse yep. now pun yep. because yeah. that now makes it seem like, oh, I got the moment right there. <laughs> it's like, no, I mean, the way the guy shaves his head, he's got this weird compound. Mm-hmm. He's got he he's super violent for basically no reason and yeah. all this other stuff it's like yeah he's colonel kurtz and they even like get to that point when caesar has to kill him later yeah. <laughs> and all that but i was like the one there's another one in there the whole moses thing yeah. which you're about to get into well and i don't know if i mean i feel like even people that don't go to church are familiar enough with the ten commandments story mm-hmm. and the moses story um but it, it, maybe it stands out to me extra because I'm a preacher's kid. I don't know. But I was just like, wow, they almost could have just named him Moses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. Moses. at the I mean, He literally dies right at the edge of the promised land after getting his people there. Mm-hmm. To a desert. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and he's going to become some kind of a legend, prophet, god thing in their society. And I, as Moses as it is, it kind of works Oh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, mean I'm a- not sure there's another way to end Caesar's... I, I knew going into the movie Caesar was going to die. It just feels like the only way you can end his arc. Um, and there were several points along the way where I thought they might do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought Woody was going to shoot him right there in their last scene together when Woody grabs the gun. I thought he was going to shoot Caesar. Because mm-hmm. um, he's crazy. Yep. Um, but it kind of works. I like the way they wrapped up Caesar's story. Um, he did his job. He learned his lessons. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he died a good ape, a good man, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a good man ape. Um, <laughs> what else, boys? I, yeah. I was really disappointed in Woody. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, and I'll tell you why. I thought he played the Apocalypse Now stuff okay, like shaving his head and looking mean and being evil. But he gets like a 10 minute speech in the middle of this movie where we find out exactly how insane he is. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was that whole scene was lacking. I found myself thinking, man, they should have hired Woody to play Gary Oldman's character in Dawn and Gary Oldman to play Woody's character in War and let him go all the professional on that role. Mm. I didn't didn't get the same disappointment as you in that scene. I'm willing to be alone on that boat. Um, I really really thought that's where the movie was sort of cooking pretty pretty good, actually, um, when it got to that point. Um, Now, I had other distractions during this movie, too, (laughs) during that entire scene. See now, this theater we went to just recently got the recliner seats and everything, oh. which is which is awesome. Sounds awesome. Um, uh, and and it's funny because I was sitting there railing against Nashville theaters, and like the week later, they were already <laughs> like putting them in yeah. to this one theater. And um, and so uh, yeah, so there was a kid next to me. Oh, and uh, this kid, uh, you can't blame a kid for being a kid, right? Right. Um, he's sitting there like constantly messing with the recliner oh. like dick, 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 dick. <laughs> is it electric 
Yeah, it's got oh, the little wow. buttons. I mean, they're quiet, but when it when it's a movie that's quiet as that, right? Like you can hear everybody breathe. So <laughs> this guy going. His dad. Zzz. His dad was in the one adjacent, the one right next to it, and it was it had something going on with the cushions where you would it would sound like a fart. <laughs> oh, yeah, lovely. Yeah. So. I'm glad the kid didn't stay in that seat because he would have kept doing that over and over and over again because he was there at one point, but then he was right next to me and he just kept on like lying in the recliner and all these different weird kid positions <laughs> and um, and like, you know, like sometimes his like feet would come over to my recliner and all this other stuff. And I was, and there was one point where he kept, he did this like back and forth thing. He did that three or four times during yeah. the movie. And the third time, I looked over at his dad and just stared at his dad. Just you, you see this, right? Yeah. You're going to do something, right? When you said you can't blame a kid for being a kid, I almost said, but you can blame the parent. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I looked at him for a while, and then yeah, about oh enough time to make it seem like he wasn't doing it because I stared at him. <laughs> he told the kid to stop doing nice. it. Um, but during that scene, oh, he was, was doing that, that oh, constantly. And uh, I was like, I was like, I, I kind of get the idea that, all right, that uh, Woody Harrelson's killing all these mute people because, you know, they're, that's how humans are evolving at this mm -hmm. point. They're becoming mute, which is what we see in the original Planet of the Apes. Yeah. All the humans are mute for some reason. Yeah. We don't know why. Uh, but that seems to be a thing that is happening to the human population. And he's killing them off and he goes and looks for a cure for it. And his own son has it and all this other stuff. And um, kills so his own son, kills his own son based on the fact that he's got this quote unquote disease. What yeah. I love about the, his arc is that even though he's evil and did a bunch of evil shit, he was still right in the sense that he came into contact with the virus and went mute. Like if you. Yeah, I think what it began for him was to save the human race. We have to kill these mute humans so they don't spread that virus to us or at least. Well, I just love that he got it at the end before he died. No, oh, yeah. Well, that was the super convenient part that I didn't like. But I'll tell you what I liked about that scene where he exposits all over the place. Is mm -hmm. First of all, I hear what you're saying about flipping, flopping him with Gary Oldman because Gary Oldman would have just chewed the shit out of that scene. Right. And, he doesn't have, and, he, and he doesn't have much to do in Dawn either. That always Yeah, true. Um, but I, for two reasons that I love that scene. One, it, it fully realizes this character instead of just making him a super villain, yep. villain that hates apes. Yep. Mm -hmm. It turns into a super villain that hates everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives him the motivation and the payoff that we really want, even though he's batshit insane. The other thing that I loved about that scene is it shows how fucking brilliant Caesar is. Yeah. Because Caesar sniffed out this entire plot just by putting the shit together yeah. about finding the, uh, the, the, the dead humans mm -hmm. or the dying humans and putting all that stuff together before I did. Well, yeah, I was like, too. what the hell? Oh, Realizing really? that the other army isn't coming to help him. They're yeah. coming to kill he him. He put all that shit together and even, even the colonel's like, damn. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> How weirdly terrifying was that too, seeing those three bodies? Like normally, I think, I think normally in a, in a movie like this, we see them already dead. You see blood and everything, and you're like, oh, that's horrible. Let's move on to the next scene. Mm -hmm. This one, you don't see any blood or anything. You just see them all covered up in the snow. Yeah. And they have to, they like, they like pull the, like their suits or whatever open to see the dead people inside. Mm -hmm. Something very, very strange, like strangely horrific about that yeah. whole thing. Well, like, and when he, when the, the one guy that's not quite dead yet, mm -hmm. like, gasps and we first see that i thought for a split second it was going to be jason clark oh yeah. yeah 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 and caesar would be encountering a now mute infected mm. jason clark who's dying 
I don't know. It probably would have been a little cheesy to do. He's that. not quite yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the thing that bothered me about Woody was I, I, he I, he couldn't pick a lane because most of that scene is pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. And then we get what I think is too over the top. So emotional. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, if you want to play crazy, play it crazy all the way through. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. so emotional outburst plays. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just it felt like schlocky writing in that one moment when he says that. Anyway, I'm done ripping on Woody. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> but yeah, so ultimately, this movie is about a prison escape. Mm-hmm. This isn't. Yep. Uh, this does. I mean, we get some of the, um, you know, the exposition that he sent. He sent all the moms and the kids and everybody. Uh, pretty much everybody except for four. Yeah, because the other ones join him on this. They like sort of force themselves into this whole adventure, but. Um, we know that they're on their way to the desert that is going to become planet of the apes. Um, now then he gets caught and the, basically a good hour of this movie may be him trying to get out of the prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool stuff. That's some really cool stuff too. Just, yeah. I mean, prison escape movies can be fantastic if you can come up with all the right little details and everything. And I love, I love the, the escape stuff. In I did movie. too, oh, yeah. except for the poop throwing. Yeah, I could have done with something else. I mean, all it, all it really was was a distraction mm-hmm. um, to get this guy where they wanted him, so the guy underground could pull could him be down. their only distraction, though. But I mean, it's Caesar. He's hyper intelligent, evolved ape, and he's like, I know what we can do: <laughs> throw our poo. <laughs> it was a little bit silly to me, but mm. I did love the whole thing. Like, even the I saw somebody ripping on this scene actually, but uh, online, but. Uh, where they're crawling upside down on the wire and the kids are jumping down on uh-huh. the other side yeah. and there's almost kind of a cute kind of music there. Yeah. And it almost gave me a chicken run vibe for just a yeah. second. Yeah. Um, and I, was, I actually laughed at that moment, even though it's in like the middle of this tense escape. Um, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. Yeah, but. I did too. I, I, that's where I felt like the movie eventually just got into that other world of being a, a very good to great movie. Mm-hmm. Was no, that and you can see... It's these. The power dynamic is is always really interesting to me in eight movies because it's it's boiled down to being very primitive. Who's the alpha? Who do they follow? If the alpha looks weak, the entire you know group looks weak. Mm-hmm. And when they first encounter Caesar, they all turn their backs on him because he looks weak. Mm-hmm. And then when he has his Spartacus moment of you know stop whipping that guy. And then he has his glory moment where he gets whipped in front of everybody else. Then, like, now they start, you know, saying, all right, Caesar's our guy. I felt like part of why they turned their backs when he got there was because they were only in there because of him. Like, he had sort of abandoned them to go on his vengeance crusade, and they got caught. Maybe I read this all wrong. No, that's a a plausible I thought they got caught because Caesar was fooled by Winter's story. And Winter was still working for mm-hmm. Woody when he told him what the plan was, and they went up and got all the women and children instead. I felt like they were they were mad at him because he he put them there, and they she even says, you know, we've been through much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I felt like he had to redeem himself to them as well as he did to us because you know he kind of takes a few wrong turns here. Mm-hmm. It's sort of uh, it's sort of that poetic type of thing, right? He's he was. The, the origin of Caesar is that he was in a cage. He had, you know, he had all these experiments done to him by James Franco in the first one. And he becomes hyper intelligent and everything. He gets to a cert, certain level of power. He goes through a lot of stuff yep. that challenges his beliefs about killing humans and everything. He has to actually go back into the cage to sort of figure out mm. this 
oh, I need to re-zero myself and like figure out like how it what it meant to be, uh, you know, good Caesar again mm-hmm. and everything. I love that moment when Maurice tells him, "Now you sound like Kova." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's true, and it still doesn't change his mind mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, he's like he's. He's on a crusade, basically. This guy killed his wife and child. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the gas tanks. <laughs> the completely unprotected gas tanks that right, are out. Right beside each other. <laughs> that somehow all the missiles and gunfire didn't set off. It took a single intentionally thrown grenade in that huge, basically, assault for those things to blow up. <laughs> and then that's what sets off the avalanche, not any of the other explosions from the missile. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just played a little it's, too convenient. Yeah, it's pretty mm. convenient. There's no doubt about it. I yeah. mean, there, I mean, yeah, in a big, huge battle as such, there would at least be, you know, a few times that, that those gas tanks would be hit. You would think. <laughs> yeah. I was, did love that when the other human army, the supposed good human army shows up, they're still super ready to kill apes. Oh, like, yeah. Caesar stands up and they turn and see him and they all start pointing their guns. It's that- not even a thought. That scene is one of the most haunting shots of the movie, I think. Yeah. Is when Caesar's standing up, you see it from his yeah, back perspective, yeah, yeah. and you see one by one these white goggles turn to him. Yeah. And they do nothing. I mean, eventually they start pointing their guns, but they do nothing. They just regard this this ape and figuring out what they're going to do. And then, of course, the earth, or the avalanche ex machina comes mm-hmm. in. But that was a really, really beautiful shot. Where yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, God, God some good. of those shots at the end when they're trekking, when they're making their Moses trek, mm-hmm. were really reminiscent of the original, obviously intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those shots were Lord of the Rings worthy in terms of their travels and whatnot. Let's talk about the timeline for a second. Yes. Okay. Um, so in the original Planet of the Apes, we find out it's like nearly the year 4000. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now... I guess this movie could be saying that even the year they thought they were in was fucked up, even though I think I, in the original, I, I I always took that as fact yeah. that they were that far ahead because it would take that long for apes to evolve to the point of, you know, having this whole society and everything in this one. However, we have the name of Nova. Mm hmm. Uh, who is a, who's a small, like seven or eight year old girl, maybe, maybe a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, who I guess in 20 years will be the Nova from Planet of the Apes. That's not the year 4000. Well, for and sure. we have Cornelius. Cornelius is in this. As Caesar's son. And, and he's not going to be a 2000 year old ape. No. <laughs> and when we did, when we did this original Planet of the Apes, I wanted to say something about how the Statue of Liberty got to the Western United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, pu- I held off on it because. I thought that that was present day New York that had just become a desert after yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, that's what I always thought. That's what I always thought. But they're in San Francisco. Yeah. And they just walk to the desert. So that's, that has nothing to do Not with Not to mention all the Southwest U.S. shots in the first movie and this one. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it appears that somehow the Statue of Liberty circled the globe. Yeah. And ended up back in California. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I if mean, they're syncing up with this timeline. I mean, which, yeah, there's also the possibility that it got moved. Somebody mm-hmm. took it, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of things. I just held off a sinning of that because I just, oh, it makes sense. They, they thought, I mean, you, you think just because it 
it is the Western United States. That's where they are. That's in Malibu where they shoot that in the beach and everything. But it, it, it made it a convenient story thing for me to think that maybe that things had just gotten so horrible on the earth that New York, what we think of it now became a desert Mm. afterwards. And that's how, which it could do after 2000 years, but not after 15 plus 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is basically saying 20 years from now is when the, the ship's going to crash land and all this other type of stuff. But having laid out, the way they did, how the apes evolved, because you watch the original chart in Heston, you don't know any of this, like, tinkering in the labs or whatnot. You just assume the apes have evolved over 2,000 years and humans have devolved or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these, this new prequel trilogy, I guess, at least sets up a logic where they could do it 20 years from now because... We've seen how it happened. Right. Yeah, so they're, 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 the, they'll the take flu. everything except the fact that it was 2,000 years. Right. Basically. Right. I did. I saw something online. This is not my idea. Mm-hmm. I'm stealing this. Sorry, Twitter bro. Um, that shot, that last shot where you can see the sky mm-hmm. and it just lingers for like five seconds. How cool would it have been to see a tiny little white dot? Of the of the Icarus or the, the whatever oh, that no, shit is called. Because yeah. that thing went up in rise. Yeah. It's been up mm-hmm. all this time. Whatever their malfunction, they're in cryosleep right now. And at some point, they're going to wake up and crash land on Earth. I would I would be up for another movie. If, even yeah. if Matt Reeves is gone, they bring in a good director and they want to tell me a, a remake of The Planet of the Apes. I'm there. Mm-hmm. I, that's got to be the they direction they're going that, to. Yeah. Right? There's reference in that and Dawn, I think, to that ship being up there. Mm-hmm. Um you don't do that if you're not going to come back to it. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of wanted to see that lingering in the sky. I yeah. I mean, cool. if, if you think it's going, if you think there's a chance that there might not be another one, it would be nice to have that just show yeah, up. And, yeah, exactly. You know, be the end. I like it. All right. Um, what, what do you guys think about Steve Zahn and in general in his performance? I really love that character. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. This I'd, may be one of the moments that you didn't like, but my favorite moment is when the red ape, uh, Maurice, I think, has to scream at him to get him to do something. Yeah, yeah. And he just sits there with his mouth agape for like four yeah. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, okay. And he runs off. Um, lots of little touches, but I thought he was great. Um, he reminded me of that, uh, you know, the Bugs Bunny cartoons where the buzzard is always, like the mom tells the buzzard, the kid, he has to go get some food for the day. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. And, uh, and uh and so like he he's always like trying to get bugs bunny and bugs bunny's always like you know getting the upper hand on him and everything that's who he reminded me of a lot uh, another touch that i didn't notice that i'm stealing from another twitter bro um in early in the movie they have this around the campfire meeting where they discuss what they're going to do mm-hmm. and it ends with them putting their hands up together and that's apes together strong mm-hmm. scene winter doesn't do it Oh, Winter, who mm. will later betray them, is the only ape in that shot that doesn't put his hands up together. Interesting. Mm. And I just thought, what a cool way to foreshadow, because I would never have picked that up. My my subconscious might have, mm-hmm. um, but I thought that was pretty cool. That yeah, is cool. That is cool. What did you guys think? So you mentioned it a little bit earlier that there's no, especially at the beginning of this, there's no humans to play off of in very long stretches, especially at the beginning mm-hmm. after that first battle. Yeah, the CGI is impeccable, but that's where you kind of notice especially when they're getting on and off of horses and stuff like that where oh yeah we're watching a bunch of apes even though we care about them if you had some sort of human element there it would balance it i think well and that's why they brought in nova to uh, i think they thought that would be our jason clark like connection Mm -hmm. but 
she doesn't speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's a child. And yeah, so I, I do think the movie is really yearning for something in there. Um, but I, I found myself, I don't know, this doesn't speak well of the movie, but I found myself a couple times in that stretch where it's just apes thinking about, boy, what a pain in the ass this must have been to shoot. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. all these people are in mocap suits. There's probably green screens all over the place. Uh, you don't have humans and prop like you think about it makes me think about how easy normal filmmaking must be when you yeah. have a human in a costume <laughs> with a prop and you shoot that and here you have to digitally recreate everything basically and and when you consider that god this movie these movies are the gold standard like we said they of, are of cg work like i hope that it leads to i i heard that disney showed the opening circle of life thing from favreau's lion king remake at their big disney thing over the weekend and everybody I saw talking about it said it was photorealistic mm. um, and you know I, it's still going to be a worthless movie that nobody needs to make or see but it, you know, if we're going to continue making leaps and bounds in CG I'm all for it it's I just went back and I was looking at the old movie recipes episode oh, yeah. to get you know a couple of screenshots and during the Lion King one that you guys shot in Nashville Jeremy a couple of times says, you know, the Lion King is the only one that they haven't done a live action remake of. And then he comes back to it later on. He's like, you know what? I bet they're doing it right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they did. Yes, they did. That's what we've always uh, sort of joked about, right? Like uh, for years, we've been talking about that. Yep. Even Finding Nemo is not. Yeah, that, you, you mentioned know. that too. You're like, yep. unless it's going to be a robot fish. They're yeah. going to do it. I promise you they're going to fucking do it. Because yeah. yeah. they're going to run out. Mm -hmm. There's only there's a finite number of classic Disney animated movies they can live actionize. Mm -hmm. They've done several. They're all the rest of them are in the works. They just announced casting on Aladdin. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Smith is going to somehow try and yep. shit on yeah. Robin Williams, I yeah. guess. Um, and then they're going to run out. So then what do we do? Well, now let's go to the Pixar thing. Let's do Toy Story live action. Mm -hmm. Let's do Finding Nemo live action. Mm -hmm. Let's do Wall-E live action and so on and so forth. Right. Until we all die right and then and then they'll they'll wait a few years and then they'll make the animated versions <laughs> we're gonna do a remake of the live action remake of lion king this time animated yeah you know i mean after beauty and the beast made you know all the money that's ever been created yep despite know. being terrible right they're just they're they're this is gonna happen for so long like it i mean i wish one of these would tank just one mm -hmm. just like no we're not you know we as a people get band together and say no <laughs> nay sir we nay. are not going to watch this bullshit we already saw the animated version and it was excellent yeah what is the fucking point yeah movie audiences together strong that's right that's right we're all we're all putting everybody but chris yeah we're doing the, he's uh, the winter we're, yeah. he's gonna betray <laughs> us that's right we're doing the three kings thing where they're like one nation a bunch of yeah. people together Many nations. <laughs> cannot cannot sell car <laughs> <laughs> um all right so we all like this movie i think we discussed everything that we need to really talk where, about where does it rank in the trilogy do you think how do, how, do, how does that hash out i, I don't want to have this conversation because i think it's the third best of the three and still great yeah you think it's the third best i still like dawn better i think dawn is the best yeah, then yeah. rise and then this one okay yeah, Rise is one of the first movies ever where I I liked James Franco, mm -hmm. and it's it's what started to turn me around on him. By the way, did you see the teaser for the disaster? I was artist? about to say, have you seen the disaster <laughs> artist uh, teaser it's yet? And it's fucking awesome. It's great. It's hilarious. Nice. The uh, the classic uh, part in the room where Tommy Wiseau comes through the the uh, little 
door on the roof and he's like i did not hit her i did not hit her i did not he apparently and oh, oh hi mark and all that yeah. um apparently like they're shooting this like it took him 70 takes to get that piece of shit uh like said right and remember the lines and everything and so like he finally comes out and says it and, and it and he i mean this is after like many takes of just forgetting the line and it's terrible and everybody's like all right we got it seth rogan sitting there talking doing the script and he's like he's like i did not hit her i did not hit her i did not oh hi mark that's what you're saying <laughs> i love the one when they all do it like he comes yeah. out for like the 20th time and he's like what is line and then every single cast or crew member says the line oh my god i can't wait for that movie i've been hearing about it for so long i was pretty interested but that teaser just sold me for sure they uh the the guy uh greg sestero who was in who was in the movie and helped make that movie is the one who wrote the book yep. that this is based on and that's uh that'll be uh i mean that is such a <laughs> and they built the fact that they built a fake rooftop and surrounded it with green screen in a warehouse yeah. instead of just shooting on a rooftop <laughs> it's yeah. crazy yeah it's a cheap movie man um all right well uh yeah uh, yeah this is third but it's also very very good it is so, yeah, to say it's third is almost like saying it's overrated or something like that, where people go, well, that means you probably didn't like it then or whatever. No, I we mean, loved it. I'm excited that we finally have yet another trilogy to add to the list of trilogies where one of them doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems that more often than not, one of them sucks. Mm -hmm. So this is solid. It's right up there with the three Bourne movies or the Lord of the Ring movies in terms of like holding up the quality. All right, so we all liked it, and uh, that'll be that'll do it for this mini pod. Mini pod of War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, uh, are we gonna do Dunkirk? Oh, dude, have you seen I the reviews? Yeah, I mean, it looks awesome. Not only is it like a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but the average score is like nine out of ten. So Damn. we're gonna, so we're gonna do Dunkirk. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> do it. Oh, I'm so <laughs> that'll be the next one that we do. But anyway, that'll do it for uh, this mini pod. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherrill. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Yeah, I can't yeah. stand that Chance the Rapper Kit Kat commercial. That stupid kit kat bar have you seen that commercial no jesus yeah. what I channels am i watching yeah no <laughs> kidding I've, I've seen that commercial probably a billion times oh you have seen it. no yeah it's annoying as fuck. it happens every time it, like oh, really my oh my god yeah they're in a season some sort of uh convenience store or yeah. whatever and he's got his face on the kit kat bar and the face sings Oh, and shit. there's like a couple of different times. I think there's a couple of different ones, right? One yeah. is where he's like, that's a good song. <laughs> and then another one is some other bullshit that you were just talking about. It's terrible. But if you save SoundCloud, then, you know, all right. There was a, yeah. So after all that craziness that you sent, um, the, uh, the, the owner, the founder of SoundCloud tweeted out a message saying like, you know, things are, things are going to be okay. And then Chance the Rapper sent out a tweet saying, had a long talk with Alex, whatever his name is. And uh, SoundCloud's going to be fine, y'all. Wow. So the implication was that like he agreed to to help bail them out. Interesting, because which, I, uh, that article, I think I sent that mm -hmm. article to you, where it was like they were hiring people right up until they laid off five hundred people. Yeah. The service has been so important. I hope it mm -hmm. stays sweet. So we're doing all we can.
we're doing all we can. All right. Yeah. All right. We should, <laughs> we should call him up on the phone and be like, guys, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and just talk, gonna, just talk to dude in Berlin. I'm going to tweet yeah. out until they, hey, you guys, SoundCloud's going to be fine. I had a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it was me, Chance, and the rapper. Kind yeah. of, doesn't that sort of sound like something Trump would treat, tweet, though? Like, yeah. I had a talk with the leader of SoundCloud. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, it does sound like It doesn't that. really necessarily mean Chance the rapper is going to give them money. He may have just been like... Yo, I came up on the service. What's going on? And the president was like, it's going to be fine. And Chance was like, okay, I'll tell the world. <laughs> yeah, I'll come out with my next album on SoundCloud. I'm so... God, I'm so old. I'm so tired of all these fucking bullshit rapper names. All these headlines <laughs> I see. Like, some rapper was kicked off a flight. And I'm like, literally never heard of that guy. But he's famous enough that everyone on Twitter is freaking out that Delta kicked him off or whatever. Mm. I'm just like, I'm, I know I don't listen to rap. Mm. I know I'm not part of that culture, but like, what percentage of them are using their real names? Like, oh. why is that so much more a genre of music where you have to have a stage name than like rock and roll? I don't know. I mean, yeah, you look at uh, Bob Dylan was Robert Zimmerman, you know, and Woody Allen was uh, was a different name, wasn't he? John Stewart changed his name. I mean, they, they didn't change it to like Quavo. <laughs> right, but I think you're I think you're picking the outliers, right? I guess. I think like Billy I, I don't, you, you're you're right. <laughs> I don't just, know. I'm it's, just saying that there it, have been It's always been the thing though, right? That's yeah, a, Axel Rose. The, it's been never... that way since the late seventies and early eighties when everybody was DJ this and DJ mm -hmm. that and so on and so forth, right? I mean I'm sort of talking to my ass here, but I kinda have an idea of how that all came about yeah no everybody everybody had a name a stage yeah. name and then so they've just been going with tradition since you know for the huh. last 40 years so uh, i think that's what it is and it, it is cooler to have a, a name that you another name you go by other than you know whatever you're you know dan smith <laughs> like larange yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it does get confusing that's why all these uh, third verse raps that are in pop music now, yeah. they all have to come on and go like Quavo, right? Or like Stormzy, or like something like that. They have to like announce themselves before they go. Yeah, in. but that was the same thing with Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott was her her real name, I think, but misdemeanor, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, see that I, that makes more sense to me, like a mm -hmm. nickname in the middle of a first and last name. Mm -hmm. Like, is there anybody out there in the rap world like John Legend, like who just goes by their first and last? <laughs> is there even one? Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> okay i think right. that I, literally that may be the only I one saw, that i can think of i don't know why i even watched this but i saw this jimmy kimmel sketch video from a couple nights ago on youtube called uh 50 cent is right behind you <laughs> and he's basically <laughs> just interviewing people on the street and getting them to trash 50 cent or say they like other rappers better the first guy is going on and on about kendrick lamar and how like <laughs> so much better than 50 cent and 50's in the room over and comes out behind the guy and walks up behind him and at the right time the interviewer says he's right behind you like, holy <laughs> shit and let's not forget kanye west also uses his name kanye well, west go. yeah there you go so there's a few get yeah. off my lawn yeah but the, I, I bet the people who who use the the other name they probably have a name like you know lorenzo adams or something like that and they just you know or will smith will smith there you go chance's last name is actually the rapper <laughs> yep it's on his birth legally changed it's on it his birth certificate <laughs> it was original uh, originally it was hendrix comes from uh, comes from a a great rapper family like the, the pennsylvania rappers yes <laughs> the pennsylvania the rappers <laughs> <laughs> it was like annie the rapper yeah. bill the rapper absolutely 
his uncles, his grandfather, all of them were, were the rappers. Exactly. Remember the Seinfeld when he's afraid of the lopper and he breaks up with his girlfriend for nine hours, but it's nighttime and she lives in the lopper's neighborhood. So he doesn't want to leave. So he gets back together with her yeah. and then has to go to Pennsylvania Dutch country. Yeah. <laughs> the lopper. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll do whatever I'll sorry. I love that montage of them breaking up for nine hours because it's just a bunch of cliches. Like it cuts to her going, Boy, did your mother do a number on you? <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs>